0: Welcome to Inside the War Room. Ryan here. As always, today we have on two guests from the Sons of History podcast. And I come across this podcast researching another guest and I was fascinated by what they're doing and wanted to have them on. But first, let me ask a favor. Take two seconds. Just two seconds and hit that five-star button wherever you may be. Okay, our guests are Alan Joaquim and Dustin Bass. they are the host or co-host of the sons of history podcast we'll link to that in the show notes and it was a good discussion about history the problems we see with history today uh and of course my favorite question to ask history buffs what's the one question you wish you could have answered um and so i love to hear their thoughts on that okay let's get to the show without further ado well dustin and alan welcome to the war room hey man right. Thank- glad to be here <laughs> yeah thank you for having us okay so you've got a really cool name sons of history let's just start there what's in a name i would
1: say it started because of the sons of liberty and uh that dustin actually was the one who came up with the name uh because we, we were uh, just kind of brainstorming but uh that that's where it comes from but uh he's like hey why not sons of history
2: yeah that's uh end of the story we're <laughs> Well, you
1: know, yeah, whereas uh, the Sons of Liberty was uh, fighting for liberty, we, uh, of course, we uh, enjoy liberty, but uh, history was really where uh, we were focusing our energy at. When you, okay,
0: before I ask this question, um, what do you think has spurred this modern day interest in history? Because growing up, history was kind of hit or miss. You can say the wars, maybe that was kind of cool. But beyond that, um, history wasn't, it didn't seem to be a really popular topic where now there's hundreds of history podcasts, there's books about it. It seems like it's really captivated the modern reader and in, in person of um, 37. So people might seem to be really fascinated with history. Why is that?
2: I think a little bit of it has to do with, well, maybe even a lot of it has to do with history has almost become a bit of a, a war zone where there is a a revision of history, uh, retelling of history, where people sort of take their own perspectives and, and give it their own twist, even if it's wrong, which we've seen, uh, we discuss quite often on the show, like the Howard Zens of the world. the um, 1619 project, you know, typically comes to mind where there's this retelling of history. And so you have a lot of people like getting engaged and involved in saying, Well, that's incorrect. So now we have to course correct. And then there are multiple sides who say, well, we wanna tell it this way. It, it's almost really two sides going at it. And so I think it's almost com- competitive between two sides. And so people are getting more interested. Uh, sadly, there are people interested in history and they're also getting history from that's, that's told incorrectly. And so,
0: yeah, yeah. So there, there was a period of my life, I don't know, eight years ago or so, where I was really studying Civil War, um, uh, because I came across a group of folks who were they were not pro slavery, but they were concerned about how the South as a whole was portrayed during the Civil War. Um, and so it, it was an interesting discussion and kind of going through some of that. And, and for me, the the hard part came trying to decipher how do you read? So I went through um, many biographies on Lee. I went through Grant's memoirs and you go through this stuff and you're like, well, it's really hard to determine how this applies to Bob Smith on one, two, three main street in Louisiana or Mississippi or Alabama, because we don't really have his thoughts. And so I kind of came to the spot to where I might would take a stance, a loose stance on some various characters in this time period of history, but it's really hard to pinpoint what individuals thought so you talk about this kind of revisionist it seems that now we have the ability to maybe for more people to kind of look at this data and we find that it's it's, it's conflicting because it's it's really hard to pin down who thought what
1: well you know when i was growing up i want to relate this to journalism when i was growing up you know there's a saying that when walter cronkite told you or gave you the news it was the news it wasn't slanted now you know some of it was slanted but we pretty much trusted Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later on that other journalists uh, started turning into uh, activism. And I want to say that history has kind of gone in the same direction, that history was history. If you read an old textbook about maybe the Civil War or the American Revolution, uh, you know, America is portrayed differently. The Southerners are portrayed differently you know the the northerners and the southerners who fought each other they 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 forgave each other you know there are several reunions that took place where you could see the uh two sides gathering together for these reunions and so you know all was forgiven between them you know there was a little some some you know resentment but overall everyone was fine but today we now have a uh We now have activism going on where not only do you portray them as the, you know, the losing side, but you're 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 going far beyond that. And you're portraying them as just pure evil and that they were, you know, there was an evil in them that has never been seen before in the history of the world, slavery, slavery uh that united states monopolized slavery you know i'm, I'm, I'm giving an example mm-hmm. you know and yeah. I, i've talked with some southerners i've talked with some people who their grand their their great great grandparents or the great grandparents were involved in the civil war and you know they all they all abhor slavery they all say the same thing but you know they were saying look back in those days uh people were fighting for their states they weren't fighting for, they didn't see themselves so much as an American as they saw themselves as uh, someone from Alabama or Georgia or, or Virginia. So, you know, today, the, the way history is being told, they're not focusing on the greatness of George Washington or the greatness of Thomas Jefferson, but they're focusing almost exclusively on his sins. And therefore, because of that sin he's no good and we need to tear down, you know, all the statues, we need to change names, we need to, you know, and and this is where we are right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, history has sort of adopted, like I was saying before, adopted this combative nature where it is, it's interesting, I was thinking about this a few days ago that we've sort of segregated history where you have one side who wants to push one like agenda and there's another side who wants to push another agenda um and it's like alan was saying like if you have it to where you can have a great person i i have alan is a good friend of mine i hold him in very high esteem if i were to try to introduce him to a friend of mine and say you need to meet this person and only point out the negative things about him chances are my friend is not going to want to meet alan because they only he only will know the negatives of alan and not all the good things about him we've all got negative things but if we only focus on those negative things we do ourselves a disservice one just meeting people in general which we we are doing now sort of on the same scale that we do history we don't want children to learn about thomas jefferson and george washington because We're only interested in focusing on the negative things. And so we do a disservice to this generation and the following generations by saying, you don't need to know anything about them. And what comes with that is a major fallout of not just, you don't understand who that person is. You don't understand how this country came to be and how we became the most free nation in the world and what a Republic is supposed to be. Um, so there's so much that. Is missed because we are so focused on we have to only be on one side or the other. It's it's really tragic.
0: So when you when you kind of go through this, going back and, and looking at people, you mentioned Walter Cronkite. One of the things I've I've thought about um, is I remember um, the O.J. Simpson trial, right? And so I remember that, and I remember hearing I was in third, fourth grade, somewhere in there. I remember what the adults were saying at the time. And I went back recently, I don't know, about a year or two ago, and kind of watched the trial and some of the coverage around the trial. And watching the coverage around the trial now, and what some of the jurors were saying, and some of the the advocates for freeing OJ were saying back then, it made a lot of sense with kind of the the hindsight, the benefit of history. Um, But at the time where I grew up at, it, it didn't seem that people fully understood what was happening with the police uh in la and that was because you didn't have access to media sources and so you didn't really have a a full scope so it feels like we've kind of hit this point in history where um it's highly politicized but also we're starting to learn about a lot of things that you just didn't have access to because you didn't have the internet podcast and so we're, we're, we're probably conflicted as well trying to figure out how do we think about the things that we grew up with knowing that we didn't have as much information as we, we presumed we had
1: well, you know, when I uh, I, I spoke to uh, a couple of friends of mine who were black and, you know, I, I wanted their take on it. And almost all of them said the same thing that uh, they would say, Alan, you don't understand. You know, my mindset, my mindset was he did it. Uh, you know, I always loved OJ. I, I've seen him in movies, you know, the Naked Gun movies, Capricorn One, uh, the Hertz commercial. So I always loved OJ. I watched him play football. But, you know, at the same time, I was like, he's guilty as hell. The black community at, at the same time would sit and say, you don't understand the LAPD. They do things. They will plant evidence. They're known for doing some of these things. So, you know, one side was sitting thinking no, the cops wouldn't do that. Uh, he's guilty. And then on the other side, you have no, no, no. You you, you you don't know the history of of some of the things that the police did. So. We were able to discuss it and I kind of understood where they were coming from, why they were thinking the way they were thinking. Today we don't have that. Today we have. Oh, you think that the uh, the LAPD are innocent? You know what? Y- you don't even deserve to have a voice. I don't even want to talk to you. Get it? Get it, And they'll shut you down. And Facebook will slap a big. Uh, um, this is uh, misleading. Uh, <laughs> misleading, and this and that, and and you know. 30 years ago, we used to I, I used to sit and, and have conversations with people who I disagreed with and they disagreed with me. But we kind of came to an understanding. We didn't have YouTube. We didn't have podcasts to get more information. We only knew stuff from, you know, I mean, I remember watching Adam 12 as a kid and Adam, Oh, hey, those were some good guys. Well, how could you say these kinds of things? So. But we talked back then. The conversations were back and forth, and and you can get an understanding, whereas today, good luck.
2: You know, Ryan, uh, to your point about we didn't have the coverage that we have today, I, I think that the more coverage that you have on something, the, the better you're going to understand something. The downside of where we live today, and this is not really— um, in coinciding with how much coverage, the problem is the commentary. Everybody now is a commentator on what has taken place, so therefore, you have let's say a black person gets shot and killed by the police. People are not gravitating to the what happened step by step, what they are gravitating to, and this, look, I'm I'm guilty as well. So, and I think a majority of people are guilty of this, is they gravitate to a clip that somebody has posted on their Instagram account, and then that person gives their commentary on what took place and why in the grand scheme of things, if you really dig deep, why that this is taking place. And so, It's almost a reflection of what's happening in our schools when it comes to, to history, economics, civics is kids aren't presented with the information. What they are presented with is commentary. This is how you should think about this subject. Yeah. But what about this person, you know, was very violent or they had just killed somebody or they had just robbed somebody and they're running from the police or they attack the police and that person goes, no, 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 no. No. And I've had conversations where people will flip it and say, well, you need to ask this question. And I'm like, well that question doesn't have really any bearing on this particular instance. And that's the I think that's the the main problem. We've got all of the information the footage we've got people covering different things constantly media outlets uh influencers youtube has all these videos but when you have it to where people gravitate to a few voices that are on the left or the right very rarely in the middle well they're going to gravitate to those commentaries and they're really just going to regurgitate what other people are telling them to think
0: yeah and i'm reminded the proverb that says the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. And we've lost that mentality. And, and, you know, for me going back, um, we talk about commentators and kind of this, this hype moment. I remember when the Ferguson deal happened. Um, And at the time I was like, okay, I'm content to believe that either side here, because I mean, this was, if you remember there, it wasn't like there was stuff being streamed online. You're just hearing reports of what was happening in, in Ferguson. Like, okay, well, it's, it's quite possible that either side of this is how it played out. Like there's a it's well, it's well within the realm of possibility. Um, and I was stunned watching people take a side and then double down on that side, whatever the side was, right or wrong, and, and never really go back and re-examine the evidence. I'm like, this, this is this is problematic because you know it's you we all have a tendency to your point, but we all should be prepared to re-examine the evidence as it comes out. And I think that video um is interesting because. You know the video only shows you a very narrow lens of a very small snippet of what happens, and so um, we've we've kind of been conditioned that the video is actually um, the full story, and, and it's not either. And so it's it's we are getting more information, and I think we are we are trying to figure out how to how to process it. So I think we all we, we kind of all agree there. But when we go back into history, you know we have different types of sources, right? So we may have a first-hand account, we have newspapers, um, you know, have the commentaries, the history books you guys mentioned you talk about this battleground for history um, You know, in America today, we're, we're kind of under this, everything's kind of relativistic, right? And you could kind of make your own choices. There's, it's kind of hard to determine truth, but yet we f- we're fighting over this history. And that to me is what's kind of a, kind of a, a weird spot. We're saying, Hey, that truth on some level is relative, but history, we have to really take a hardline stance, which almost, I think underlines the point of this relativistic mindset in, in America.
1: Well, you know, me growing up, uh, Christopher Columbus was uh, was a hero and we did celebrate uh, Christopher Columbus Day. And then I remember in the early 90s, there was a a shift in Columbus. And then I started hearing all these really, really bad things about him. It wasn't until I uh, read a book by a lady named uh, Dr. Mary Graybar who pointed out that much of the much of the hatred towards Christopher Columbus came from Howard Zinn and that a lot of uh, so-called historians were were regurgitating everything Zinn was saying. Everything, everything that they were saying about Columbus came from Zinn and Zinn's information, part of it came from a uh, Dutch communist. Now, I, I never knew any of this stuff, and I then... Did my own research, and come to find out that uh, what Zen was saying, he was. There were outright lies regarding Columbus. He would uh, take several pages of uh, of uh, Columbus's journal and and um, mesh it into one paragraph. And when you read that one paragraph, you literally are reading something that sounds like Columbus is not only there to capture all the Indians and turn them into, into slaves, but um, there, there, were, there were a lot of things in there that would look very evil based on the fact that he put everything into one paragraph and putting ellipses to separate some of the sentences. Well, if you look at the primary sources, which is where people need to turn if you are questioning whether something is true or not, primary sources are the best thing to uh, to have in your possession. If you look at the primary uh, sources, uh, you will see that that journal was not one paragraph; it was it was several pages. It was several days, and uh, I wouldn't have known had it not been for um, Dr. Graybar pointing that out to us. So, now why did he do it? You know, there's a lot being said about Western civilization, about American history. Uh, you know, look at the 1619 project, which is f- taking the focus away from what happened in in uh, Boston and Philadelphia during the Revolutionary War, and saying, "Nope, the, our th- this country began in uh, 1619 in Virginia." The reason for it could be, and, and Dustin can back me up on this. Uh, the reason for that is, is that if if you hate the 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 history of your founding, then you're going to hate your country overall and then you're willing to see changes made by the very people who are telling you america is bad or western civilization is bad uh may dustin dustin may have his own opinion on
0: that one
2: no no i i mean i agree with look if alan said it (laughs) i'm gonna agree with (laughs) if alan
0: says it is the gold standard
2: let me tell you something ryan um we've done a lot of episodes on our show and there has been i I would do it more early on and then i started to learn a lesson that whenever i questioned alan on something and i'd be like no i think you're wrong i think you're wrong on this i would go back and realize that i was wrong i don't think there may have been one time but i don't even think there was one it may have been like i was half right but every (laughs) pretty much every time I question Alan on something. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm proven wrong, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's wild, but this, this is activist journalism and his, and h- historians, you know, being activists as well. Uh, and like Alan said, go to the sources, the primary sources, the contemporary sources, people who were there. Um, and a lot of people don't want to do that. You go to Howard Zinn's book and that one, Allen's referencing uh people's history of the united states well you just look at his sources and you realize that he's trying to cover all of american history going back to 1492 yeah. and probably 90 to 95 percent if not more of the resources in his index or his bibliography whatever you want to call it is all content like modern day sources this is like most of it is 1950s and later these are newspaper articles and things this is not contemporary sources um and so you just look at things like that and you're like okay this is this is activism under the guise of uh, you know historicism or, or studying history it's like it, it's not it's pretty easy to pinpoint
0: okay so I want to I'll play devil's advocate here to the the primary sources thing, because I I tend to agree that you had to go to primary sources, of course, but I'm torn on how how to evaluate this. I'll give you a few examples. One, I mentioned Grant's memoirs, which is, uh, it's it's a a lengthy read. Um, And when I went through it, what I found interesting was he would make these almost throwaway points about what the Confederate papers were writing about the battles. And I kind of found that interesting that he would kind of point out that they were saying this, assuming he's being honest, that, that that they were kind of misleading the South on what was actually happening in the war. Um, but what you don't find in Grant's memoir is him talking about his drinking, you know, and that's a big point of contention. So, you're like, okay, well, how do you how do you balance that? And then you take um, memoirs of maybe more um, modern people, maybe a CIA person or a politician, and you can start to see, well, hmm, I was a, I was around for some of this, and I kind of know that what you're saying about this is not how it's being portrayed. So. Is there a tendency maybe to go back into history and to view these people as being more honest? Um, because some of the memoirs you would see today, you go, no, they're they're really shading outside the lines here. So how do we evaluate historical primary sources um, compared to um, you know what the, what people later on said about them? Because in modern day, it seems very hard to trust the primary sources. Does that does that make sense? The kind of distinction there.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go, go ahead, ahead okay i'll go um well there's a there's a couple of ways to go about that is one don't ever just go if you're wanting to know about let's just say the civil war don't go by one particular source right contemporary source and say okay um because one if it's one person obviously they're not everywhere at the same time um and you also have to figure out okay what's maybe not what is their agenda now, but what was their agenda then when they were involved? Obviously Grant had an agenda when he was general, um, during the civil war. Um, he had his enemy, his enemy, were it was the Confederates. So you have to almost tie in a couple of things. One is, is common sense. And that's like looking at him and be like, okay, is he being forthright? Is he hiding something? Is he and does he have an agenda like is he wanting is he wanting to just sort of put some rose colored glasses on a specific subject and I'm not saying grant in per, in particular, I'm just talking about in general, of course, and then you also have to tie in okay, what were other contemporary sources saying? And this is what historians do like they have to compile mm-hmm. all of this information uh newspaper clippings, other historians uh people who weren't historians maybe they were just writing in their diary of certain things uh of what was going on during this moment and then you have to figure out okay how much of this ties together and agrees and then if you have other contemporary sources where they're sort of disagreeing you have to also acknowledge that but if everything lines up more or less in one way you have to sort of lean where to an extent everybody is agreeing um, and I think you can almost go back as well to, let's say, the New Testament or or the Bible in general, like the New Testament. Like you have to figure out, OK, you know, there may be a little bit of differences, but everybody's agreeing on the specific things that took place.
1: I know for me, um, I'm going to go back about 30 years. Um, Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh would come on and he would say things that I thought, no, that can't be because there were things that I just never even thought would be possible. I was always hearing a narrative constantly, the these narratives about certain things, uh, the ozone layer, about the uh, rainforest in Brazil, global warming. Um, so I would he would say where he got his sources from. So I would go and I would read those sources so that I could get a differing opinion, because believe me, what what rush was saying would be different than what say dan rather was saying um so that 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 was for me where i kind of woke up a little bit plus traveling uh, around the world i got to see things that just didn't line up with what journalists were saying especially in the middle east so what if someone today is going to want to read about a subject and focus on it there are I, and I'm always going to suggest get books. Don't read anything online, because if you've read 1984, you know things can change. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if you have if you have a book and you have it in print um, today, if you want to get primary sources, uh, you can actually get them online. There is a series of books, um, I think, uh, if you go, say, to Amazon or eBay, uh, they're, they're like the Franklin and Wentworth and several other several other books that if you If you want to know what was written back in the day, they they will have uh, facsimile copies of them. And so so you can have the primary sources right there. That's that's that is one of them. If you don't have the means to go into, uh, let's say, a library, um, you know, that if you want to read the actual notes written by somebody and you don't have the means to go to a library, you can you can get them online. Um, But like what Dustin was saying in terms of was anything misleading, there's, you know, uh, it's funny because I I do have Grant's memoirs. I have Sheridan's. I have uh, um, what was that? uh, Sherman's memoirs. So their memoirs are going to say how a certain person was. There are also memoirs from the other side. There's a lot of Confederate memoirs. so, if you want to know from the viewpoint of a friend or an enemy, there are enough there are enough books out there that you can find that were written by the actual participant. You don't have to take the word of an author today, because the author, you know, the authors and journalists have opinions. Uh, you know, I, I cannot imagine a journalist not having an opinion. On something because they are educated about the subjects supposedly they're supposed to be educated about Mm. the subjects they're talking about and depending on their view of things they're either going to look at things from the right or they're going to look at them from the left and and offers are going to be the same so but you have to you have to get the you have to read from several people don't just read books from primary sources from, let's say, the the uh, the Union soldiers yeah. and
0: not take into account what the Confederates were saying, too. Yeah, I remember doing um, John Adams' uh, biography by uh, McCullough, and I, I, I was kind of surprised because I figured he would have spoke about um, uh, Adams, at least Adams' wife for sure, the Christian influence on, on them and how it pertained to some of their views on slavery and whatnot, and he didn't spend a lot of time on that, and so I, I wondered— I've read some of their correspondence and some of their letters, and I thought, hmm, that was a, it's interesting that for him, that wasn't as prominent as maybe I would have thought he would have made it to be. Now, he's a world note right now, historian. I'm not. I just, I was kind of surprised by that, having re- read some of the correspondence. And so you can see there that um, perhaps he's right, but also perhaps for him and his worldview, that, that sometimes religion isn't as big of a thing that maybe other people, other historians might think of it. And so you're kind of torn with where did that fit in the role of Adams's life?
1: Well, there were plenty of people who had opinion on on Adams. Uh, you can just I mean, just uh, <laughs> Jefferson, Madison, Hamilton, those those three guys had their opinions, uh, had their opinions on Adams. I mean, I I, had, I knew about the their religion. Um, they you know, like there, there's a discussion about Adams and Franklin where they felt that, you know, they didn't want a theocracy. They didn't want preaching the pulpit from uh, from from government. But they at the same time that, you know, there's uh, there's plenty of evidence where they were saying that you need uh, a moral, religious people, a disciplined people for the Constitution to work. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're raising your son to be a man, you know, once he turns 18 or 21, you have to let go. And and he now has the freedom to uh, do whatever he wants. And you have to hope that the religious foundation you gave him. And the the discipline that you gave him will will help him to become a strong, a strong individual who contribute to uh, the country, to the family. Um, but you know that's uh, maybe I'm going down a little rabbit hole here. But
0: uh, well, no, I mean it was interesting because he portrayed Jefferson pretty negatively in uh, in his in his biography of uh, talking about how. And, and again, I don't have an opinion on the, on that. I was just kind of surprised that he seemed to be hard on Jefferson. Um, in in defense of Adams, or at least the way he portrayed it, and uh, obviously Adams had some problems with his presidency for sure, from a from a very much a liberty standpoint. So there's yeah. some, there's definitely some problems there. Um, but he was one of the few that was was anti-slavery, and so it's kind of a you have a weird. And this I think is what's interesting about history is we want people to be like, hey, they they check this box and this box and this box and this box, and you go back and you read about these cats, and they 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 agree with you on this view and on this view. You're like, how how did you ever how did you ever get from here to here? Like, I don't understand how you could lock up reporters, but you're anti-slavery. Like, what, like, what in the world's going on here? But they would have these very conflicting views.
2: Yeah, um, and I, th- I think to your point, Ryan, is, is history and individuals, which obviously individuals make up history. Like, we make history. We are not simplistic creatures. We're, we're complex and we're often, um, we, we contradict ourselves so often, like, like happens, you know, with uh, just, you know, locking up reporters, anybody who spoke ill of what was going on between America and and France, it's just like, well, um, how is it that we are into the second presidency, and we're already going against (laughs) the Bill of Rights? Like, how is this even possible? (laughs) You know, Um, but I think, you know, David McCullough, God rest his soul, he recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great historian and, you know, one of my, one of my favorites. Um, but I think sometimes and presentism plays a big role in how history is written about, spoken about today, because we put ourselves with what we know, or at least what we feel in 50 years ago, 100, 200, 1,000 years ago. said, so, well, what was accepted then is not accepted now. Therefore, it shouldn't have been accepted then. And I think sometimes, even with the best historians, some incidental presentism comes into play. And you will hear this all the time about so many historical figures, if they were Christians, and specifically, I just stick with Christians, from Galileo to John Adams. That religion and their belief in god and christianity didn't really play that big of a role they were just trying to play up to the populace or they were trying to play up to the powers i.e the catholic church with with galileo and so there is this modern you know perception that we can downplay whatever is presented in old historical documents and say They really didn't feel that way. Why? Because we don't feel that way now and we know it was just a charade. That's, that's not, that's not good. And it's not correct. And one it's calling that person more or less a liar, uh, like Adams or Galileo and saying, no, you were just saying that because you had a specific agenda or need to fulfill and therefore we're, we're not just rewriting history, we're rewriting your mindset. And so we, we, get, we get into that and it's, it's, it's not good. We just need to present the facts and say, look, this person said this, this must've been how they felt.
0: Yeah, and just uh, one of the things that's come up a few times with guests recently is this idea that religion's the largest killer in human history. I'm like, well, you know, I'm not a historian, but the math the math of the last hundred years Favors the government pretty pretty large. they you know the Chinese, the Russians. You know those numbers are pretty large. And I had someone say, well, on margin the percentage uh, the during the population times the religions killed more on percentage. It's like okay maybe I don't know. I haven't done all of those various statistics, but it, it's funny to your point about believing about religion, um, whatever the religion is Christianity, Islam. It's used in a negative sense to portray stuff, but in the positive sense, it's negated, right? And so, if you want to talk about the largest killer of humanity, we'll say, "Wow, well, religion," instead of you know communism um, or, or something like that. Um, but if it's how this person's influenced, you will then negate that, and it's it's a weird dichotomy there.
1: Well, I know um, I've read the things that I've read. I'll, just for this little example, was that uh, the Mongols uh, wiped out uh, percentage-wise a majority of the world's population. Uh, When they were doing their little rampages, but um, but uh, you know, one of the things I also you know wanted to say in terms of if someone makes a claim about religion or someone makes a claim about any subject, and if they're trying to portray something or someone negatively, here's what I always encourage people: is get both sides of the story. I'll give you an example. Um, Benedict Arnold, Um, I have. uh, I've looked into, you know, why did Benedict Arnold do some of the things that he did? He was probably I would have to say um, that he was the greatest uh, tactician we had in the Revolutionary War. Um, He I don't want to say he single handedly won, say, the Saratoga campaign, but he pretty much won the Saratoga campaign. And then you got to ask, you know, why did he do the things that he did? Well, if you if you read some of the correspondence that took place between him and some of the British, uh, uh, Major John Andre. Um, if you read the memoirs of uh, some British soldiers like uh, John Graves Simcoe or uh, or uh, General uh, Clinton, they will present a certain point of view as to why Benedict Arnold did the things that he did. If you read the contemporary sources from Americans, it, you know, it was gold it was greed you, you have to get you really literally if you're going to focus on a subject and you want to learn about that subject you need to get every angle because you know it's like the news if you get all your information from just Fox News or if you get all your information from CNN or, or MSNBC there are a lot of things you're not going to hear about you have to you know I tell people if if you're gonna to listen to CNN, MSNBC, you know, listen to Fox News. Read some of the things that they have to say, and they will tell you things that you didn't even know existed. Like people, you know, back with uh, two years ago, nobody knew what Hunter, what Hunter Biden's laptop. What's that all about? Well, if you listen to Fox News, you would have known what it was about. And at the same time, if all you watch is Fox, there are certain subjects that you're not going to know about because they discuss it on the other on the other side. So. If you're going to ever focus on any type of subject in history, get get every angle, get find out why did the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor, get their opinion as to why they did it. You know, Japan didn't do it because they're evil. They, they had the reasons they weren't good and they deserve to get annihilated for what they did. But but when you come to understand why they did what they did, I think it can prevent future conflicts.
0: Well, and one thing you touched on there um, that I was going to bring up earlier, if you go back and watch um, my favorite show Band of Brothers, um, you know they had the documentary with all the guys from Easy Company, and a lot of those guys have forgiven the Germans or had forgiven the Germans their past now uh, talked about the Germans as understanding why they did that, which is really interesting because um, in modern culture, popular culture, the Nazi regime is considered one of the worst things ever. I'm not saying it's I'm trying to make light of it. I'm saying, but but for them, they were able to forgive the Germans they fought against who killed their friends in arms. And it's, it's quite stunning to hear them to say that from someone, you know, when the worst thing you can be called today is basically a fascist. And here these guys who fought the fascists are like, yeah, we're ready to move past that. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to to hear if you've never heard someone talk about forgiveness and moving past and and history moves on. And so you, you touched on that earlier. When do you think, how long does it take a course of a history before a population can move past an event, well,
1: it, it depends on whether it was a normal fight or whether war crimes were involved. is is one way you can you can look at it. Um, you know the uh, if you know I, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, two of the guys that were portrayed in Band of Brothers, and they they forgave the German the common German soldier. Even while they were fighting them, they, you know, they were sitting saying, you know, if uh, if we didn't have this war, we would be hunting and fishing with these guys, we'd be drinking with these guys. Um, Now, the SS, on the other hand, they hated the SS. They hated anyone who was a member of the SS. So they this is where, you know, it depends on who who is doing what can you you know, if we went to war, let's say, with Russia. It's very easy to forgive the common, say, Russian soldier. But what about the the people who are, you know, well, back in the day was the communists, the Soviet communists. Today, I don't know what you want to call the followers of Putin, but but it it, it just depends on what that other person did and how bad they did it.
2: I think you have to.
1: Yeah,
2: I think you have to you have to break up, you know. What is, what is good? What is, what is evil? You know, it's like, what type of fight was it? I mean, Alan, like Alan mentions, you know, are, is this a fight for, is this a fight for Liberty? Like who's on the right side? What are the motivations? Who's in, who's in power? Um, and, and as, as Christians, I, I speak for myself, but as a, as a Christian, you have to forgive, you got to forgive everyone, you know, regardless of, of what took place. Um, now given that it's not like what Alan was saying, like we'd go have a beer with this person, it doesn't mean that you go have a beer with that person or that person is acceptable. No, there's, there's a difference in forgiveness and judgment. Like if somebody is wicked and cruel and evil, judgment still has to be placed upon that person. Adolf Hitler had he lived, you better believe there must, there must have been judgment placed upon him, which would have been he he needed to be executed. Um, and obviously people would, would argue he needed to be tortured and then executed and there'd be hardly any debate about that. But that that's, that's where we, we get it wrong to an extent and that's sort of Alan's obviously his point is. We tried to just blanket everybody with a particular sin. Um, and we can go back to the civil war, you know, a lot of Southerners, most Southerners didn't own slaves. Um, and there was a lot of them who didn't like it, but they still fought because they were fighting for their particular states. They were fighting for their community or for their family. And in 2022, a lot of us. Can't understand what that means. Why Robert E. Lee would say, Look, I don't really agree with what the Confederates are doing, but I can't fight my people, more or less my Virginians. I can't fight them. If Virginia were to stay with the Union, I would be a general in the Union, but that's not the case. And I think people, maybe like us, because we're all in Texas, I think. There's a lot of us who feel a little bit like how Robert E. Lee would have felt because I personally sort of see Texas and then America, you know, I'm a Texan first and then I'm an American, right? I can't see myself uh, fighting fellow Texans because honestly, I love being a Texan really more than I love being an American and I love being an American.
1: And one of the thing also I wanted to mention that you were saying about forgiveness and uh, how, how long does it take? Uh, let's let's look at history in from forty three to, to forty five, we were bombing Berlin. Three years later, American airmen were getting killed, trying to defend the people of Berlin during the uh, Berlin blockade. So now at the same time, we were still hunting down Nazis, the, 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 the ones that actually committed the war crimes. While we are protecting Germans, the very people we bombed three years prior, we are now risking our lives to protect. I don't know how many people lived in the uh, the western side of Berlin, but uh, it's a fascinating study how just within three years we are now doing all we can to defend them with the possibility of going to war with our former allies, the Soviet Union, while while bringing in some Nazis to help our space program well <laughs> yeah. in the you know in uh in the long run and know, that's, op- that's
2: where alan and i <laughs> diverge right there okay
1: yeah i i thought it, you know look if if you're going to have these 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 minds the, the brilliant minds that were in the uh who created the v1 and the v2 rockets and you know the the soviet union wasn't really our friend. They were the enemy of our enemy because they you know, communism was still bad. Uh, communism had always been bad. They were murdering Poles uh, when they were allies with Germany. You know, let's not forget they did help start World War II when they invaded Poland along with Germany. So I think they knew, you know, okay, when this war is over, it's going to be back to. The soviets are going to be our enemy let's try to keep them our friends but let's face they're going to be our enemies so i thought it was the i thought it was a brilliant move i thought it was a great idea and sorry okay yeah i know i know they they were nazi but you know, better
0: us to have them than the Soviets. Yeah, I'm just simply saying that just add to one of those layers of, of complexity is that we're we're hunting Nazis while using them to send yeah. rockets to outer space. But, you
1: know, they, they weren't free to roam around the country. They were uh, pretty much, uh, you know, they had to remain in place uh, wherever it is that they took them. I don't know if it was in New Mexico or where, but uh, yeah, they weren't they weren't free to just roam around the country.
2: OK,
0: just a few minutes left here. I do want to get you your guys opinion on this. Yeah. Um, It seems that this Cold War era, um, we're kind of touched on here, but Kennedy onward, obviously with the Kennedy assassination, is perhaps the beginning of the modern fascination with conspiracies. Um, Is that true? Is that just maybe a very small window of history I viewed? And if so, any thoughts on why the Kennedy assassination has really changed how Americans view conspiracies in regards to history?
2: Okay. Well, yeah, (laughs) I was waiting for you. Um, Well, I think you have the Kennedy assassination and then you have the Pentagon Papers and then you have the Nixon Watergate scandal. And all these things sort of culminated to the point where the trust in the government started to just rapidly decline. Like for the longest period of time, Americans pretty much fully trusted. The government and what the government would do and when you have the kennedy assassination and the warren commission coming out and saying okay this is what happened lone gunman blah 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 and everybody just goes with it even though there's tons of holes in this whole well really a theory but this whole commission report and then come to find out there's like this invisible third bullet um that you know and all of a sudden you're like this is not a conspiracy something really took place and the government is hiding it. Well, the government was hiding, you know, the Vietnam war is not going well and you know it, right? Well, and then the Pentagon papers come out and people start to see like, we can't trust the government. And then you have the Watergate scandal. And then it's like, well, you we really can't trust them. Friend of mine who teaches journalism, she was saying that she feels that, um, really the, the soul of America or the conscious, conscience of America was lost with the Watergate scandal. And I was like, no, I think it was the, the, the assassination of Kennedy, um, where it's just like, there's so much going on. And then you're like, did the American government actually kill? And when that thought enters the American psyche or a nation's psyche, well, it's going to be really difficult to put that back together. And I don't think it, it, it has, and especially with this now the 21st century and you have the Afghanistan papers. And now it's just, well, this is just a replay of all that we experienced Kennedy and post Kennedy. Um, so I think, I think there's sadly we have moved from skepticism to cynicism in America to where the government says something and automatically we don't believe it. And the government doesn't do, um, does not help themselves because you take for instance this COVID situation where they were continuously it seems purposely lying about are the vaccines going to be um, effective okay you're never going to get uh COVID if you take the vaccine oh well you will now you get boosters now you need four shots and it's just like okay you are continuously changing constantly uh the Russia collusion situation where people in power knew that this was not real and they went with it it's like, you don't want the American people's trust. You just want their obedience. And so I, I think people are in the right to have these constant conspiracies. And I think as, as a, our good friend, um, the comedian, the British comedian, he said the other day, I forgot his name, but, um, he said, what's the difference in the truth and a conspiracy theory about six months. So <laughs>
1: And also, I wanted to, uh, uh, he, Dustin was absolutely right about all that, but I wanted to add a couple of things that um, prior to Kennedy or prior to his assassination, the media really did not criticize the, the government that much or they didn't expose things. So I'll give you an example, a couple of examples. Uh, the journalists knew that uh, Franklin Roosevelt was handicapped, that he couldn't walk, but they never announced it. They never exposed it. Uh, the the journalists knew that Kennedy was having affairs in the White House, but they said nothing. Now, all of a sudden, he gets assassinated, and uh Warren Commission comes out, and things just didn't add up. Um, I remember, um, in I was in the second grade in 74, in, uh, and I was reading all these books on JFK. And even back then, back then, people just said, this just does not add up. N- nothing on here adds up. And then what he was saying— not only did you have Watergate, but you also had Martin Luther King and uh, Robert Kennedy assassinated in 68. Um, and people th- there were conspiracies uh, to those also. Did we really get the right guy with uh, the Martin Luther King assassination? I mean, the guy uh, stated on his deathbed that he wasn't the one who killed Martin Luther King. So,
2: yeah, and Martin he, Luther King's daughter doesn't believe that he did it either. So. Yeah. So,
1: um, you know. People are now, you know, and then you had J. Edgar Hoover, who did things that people were now looking back and they would see what some of the things J. Edgar Hoover did. Um, They would, you know, experiments that our government did, uh, like the Tuskegee experiments. Um, Things just people were just looking back in time and going, Jesus, is this is this what our government has done you know, you can, you can love, uh, you know, it's one thing to love the constitution and defend and protect the constitution, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to excuse what your government does. So- yeah. Which is,
0: which is why I'm a little hesitant. And I, I know what you're saying about the Walter Cronkite point, but I'm a little hesitant just to, just to seed that point because people will say that. And then we'll start talking about all this stuff. It's like, yeah, those guys were missing all kinds of stuff, whether it was they're being negligent or they just weren't aware. I don't know. But, um, Sometimes we've, we've kind of romanticized the journalism during these periods. It's like, no, when you go back and look, there's some things they definitely could have exposed. Okay. Um, real quick for the listeners, we've had on Michelle Gagne talking about Kennedy. We've had on um, Hornberger talking about Kennedy, Mel Ayton. We'll link to all that in the show notes so people can go check that out. If you guys have some episodes on that, shoot them over. We'll put that all that in the show notes for listeners to go check out if they don't hear about Kennedy or uh, Sirhan, Sirhan, or any you know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Final question for you guys um, What is the one question in history that you won't answer it.
1: I'll let Dustin take this one. First.
0: <laughs> Are you
2: serious? <laughs> you only get one. Oh, man. Um, probably, oddly enough, um, since we just talked about it, probably the Kennedy assassination. I would like to know who was all behind it, was, george hw bush the man on the scene and did he have a hand in uh cap uh jfk <laughs> um
1: since he took that one <laughs> i guess um I, the only thing i can think of off the top of my head is uh
0: did uh was george Patton murdered wow that's a good one that's a good one there for me, it would have to be around Epstein. Okay. <laughs> just too much around Epstein, I want to know. So just give me the uh, can I see can I read the black book? That's all I want. That's uh, what the list there. Uh, that would be mine. Okay. Where should we point people to um the podcast, website, social media? We'll link to it all in the show notes, but tell people so they could go ahead and search that while they're listening to the podcast.
2: Yeah, you can um visit our website, thesonsofhistory.com. Uh you can If you want to listen to us on our podcast, uh, pretty much everywhere uh, you listen to podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, uh, we're all on there. And if you listen on Apple, if you don't mind, leave us a rating and review. You can find us on Twitter at Sons of History. Uh, You can find us on Instagram and Facebook on the Sons of History. And then we've also got our YouTube channel, uh, The Sons of History, uh, as well. And I think that that's it, right, Alan?
1: I think you yeah. covered them. Yeah, you covered them. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, our own website. So, hey,
2: don't repeat what I'm
1: saying. Um, I'm, Bring I'm something trying, new. I'm <laughs> trying to go through it through. You know that that's really the best yeah. way. Are, are so you? We're, to, subscribe are. Subscribe to our YouTube channel.
2: Yeah, we are about to start our fourth season of the podcast, and uh, first episode will be out September 19th.
0: So. Yeah, Star Trek only had three seasons. Yeah, there you go. There you go. You surpassed Star Trek and now we're on the pantheon of greatest podcasts of all time. Just like that.
2: Yeah.
0: Word. <laughs> okay. Word. Well, we will link to all of that in the show notes for the listeners. Um, Alan, Dustin, thank you for your time today. Okay, thank you very so much. much. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Okay, there we go. Hop over to the newsletter to let me know your thoughts about this topic of history and relativism and how do we study it and how do we evaluate those characters in history. RyanRaySr.com slash newsletter is where you can do that. We'll talk real soon.